0: Uh, Well, good morning, everyone. Such a joy to be able to see as uh, GCC families dedicate their children to the Lord. So with that, will you join with me in a word of prayer? Father God, we are thankful for your goodness and your faithfulness to us as individuals as well as a church body here at Grace Community Church over the almost last 28 years. Lord, we're thankful that... Uh, you've gone before this church, Lord, and uh, you have paved the way to help us help our church so that we can help people know and follow your son, Jesus, Lord. We're thankful for this past week that we had the opportunity to have vacation Bible school and the opportunity to uh, share the good news about your word and the gospel to so many children, Lord, not only a part of our church, but a part of our community, Lord and we pray that those seeds that were planted lord that you would water them lord and they would come to fruition that those children would come to know and follow your son jesus we're very thankful for the many volunteers that helped serve this past week in vbs lord it reminds me lord that you you created us to serve one another lord and it was so encouraging exciting to be able to see just generationally so many volu- so many volunteers lord being able to come and put in their time and talent to serve at Vacation Bible School, Lord. We're thankful, Lord, that that's what the church is, Lord, that you gift us and that we can be able to come together and serve one another. Lord, we also wanna lift up and think and pray about all the things you're doing around the world. And VBS, Lord, we're thankful for the offering that we had to be able to send pastors in Malawi to get training, Lord, and that we were able to raise money to be able to send 91 pastors to be able to be trained, Lord, and that they're going to be able to better learn your word and, Lord, equip to be able to serve in your church. And so we're thankful for that, Lord. We're thankful for the generosity of our kids and our people, Lord, to be able to give in that way, Lord. And, Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity that that will provide, Lord, knowing that they are a part of us, Lord, because we're a part of the Capital C Church, And, Lord, that we are connected together, Lord, and how we can be encouraging to people around the world, Lord, by being able to do these types of things, Lord. So thank you for that opportunity that we're able to do that, Lord. And I just thank you that the work you're doing in Malawi, Lord. We also want to lift up and pray for the work you're doing in Ireland, Lord, for Mary Ellen Schomer, Lord, part of our young adults, who is there for the summer and serving, Lord in various capacities with Bible-centered ministries, with camps uh, serving families and communities, Lord. We pray a blessing upon the ministry and for Mary Ellen, Lord, as they do work to be able to uh, care for people and share the good news of the gospel, Lord. So we pray towards that end that there would be a harvest there. We pray that you would just be with her, grant safety and peace, Lord, as she's there uh, serving you, Lord. And so we just thank you for... Just many individuals like that as well as our teams this summer who have gone out to many parts of the world knowing that um, our mission here at Grace Community Church is to help people know and follow your son Jesus, but not just here in Willow Street, but to the ends of the earth, Lord. And so we are thankful for those opportunities, Lord, and it's exciting each summer to send out many people, Lord, that are just excited to serve you and to be able to use their abilities to share the good news of the gospel, Lord. Father, we also want to lift up and pray for the Needs of Grace Community Church, Lord. Uh, Lord, we have many people who attend here as well as online, Lord, and may not be able to be here because they are struggling with physical issues, Lord, and they may not be doing well, whether they may be in a hospital bed right now, Lord. Uh, They may be dealing with rehab. They may be at home struggling, wishing they could be here, Lord. So I just pray that you would be with them, Lord, that you would allow your presence Uh, to be felt by them, Lord, that they would be encouraged. I pray as a church, Lord, that we continue to walk alongside and care for them, Lord, as the church. And, Lord, that we can be able to um, be your hands and feet, Lord, as we care for people who may be uh, struggling with just some difficulties going on in life, Lord. And so we don't want to forget them, Lord. Be with them. Strengthen them, Lord. And uh, we commit that into your hands, Lord, knowing that you are sovereign in control. And uh, we trust that to you, Lord. Pray for us today as we continue to worship and hear your word, Lord, and as we continue our sermon series in Ephesians. And Lord, we are thankful for our salvation and for the past few weeks as we got to better understand just what a wonderful um, gift that is, Lord, that you provided for us. And I just pray today as Pastor Mike comes and shares your word that you would allow the Holy Spirit to be speaking in and through him, and Lord, that we would Uh, grow deeper in our our walk with you Lord our love for your word Lord that we would just be more transformed into the image of your son Jesus Lord and so we pray uh, that your Holy Spirit would be at work in our minds and hearts and so we pray in the powerful name of your son Jesus amen scripture reading for this weekend is found in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 to 21 For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen thank you very much pastor jared
1: Coward. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. So, <laughs> would have been better than embarrassing had he done it. But anyway, so, <laughs> especially if he hurt himself. But anyway, over the years, you've heard me reference my grandmother Sigmund, and my grandma Sigmund was really a great spiritual influence in my life. And I've talked about her in sermons because I truly considered her a saint of God. She had a deep and abiding love for Jesus Christ. She was a woman who loved Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. She loved the Word of God. One of the images that I have, an enduring image of my grandma, is her sitting at the kitchen table reading her Bible. This is her Bible. I keep it in my office. And um, I, I have this image of her sitting there reading her Bible and then entering into a time of prayer. On occasion, I would walk into the room while my grandma was praying, and I was eaves- and I would eavesdrop and you know, to listen to a saint of God pray is to really be in the school prayer. It is to be encouraged, it is to be inspired, it is to be overwhelmed by the power of God in the room. Prayer, according to one scholar, is prayer expressing desire. To a hymn writer, prayer is the soul's sincere desire, uttered or unexpressed. Grammels' prayers, as I remember them were her soul's sincere desire. They were heartfelt utterances that were both informed and inspired by her relationship with Jesus Christ. And to this day, my prayer life is shaped and molded in part because of what I learned from my grandmother. Now, for the last three weeks, we have been learning together in Ephesians about the glorious salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. And last week as we opened up Ephesians chapter 3 verses 1 through 13, we were amazed to discover the access that God has given us in Christ to a personal relationship with himself, to daily conversation with him, to the gift of forgiving grace that we can actually walk right up to God and we can tell him whatever is on our hearts and confess whatever sin we have. And you know what he does? He forgives us. He cleanses us and washes away that sin. And then we also learn that only he can give us access to heaven. Only he can give us the absolute assurance, the knowledge that when we die, we will go home to be with Jesus Christ in heaven. What a glorious salvation we have. So that's where last week's sermon ended, at verse 13. And as we pick up this week at verse 14, it almost seems like Paul takes a breath at verse 14, maybe even a bit of a step back so that he can bask in the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so, with his mind and his heart overflowing with God's amazing grace, this is how Paul begins the second half of Ephesians chapter 3. He simply writes, For this reason I kneel. For this reason, I kneel. Suddenly, there is a change of posture that takes place in the Bible. And that change of posture indicates for the first time that Paul is moving from preaching to praying. And oh my goodness, the prayer that he offers in these next few verses is an overwhelmingly powerful prayer. It's sort of like walking in on my grandma and listening to a saint of God uttering The prayer from her heart. That's what's happening in these verses. We're walking in on Paul. He is kneeling before the Lord, and he is praying, this is what he writes, before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, there are a couple things you need to notice here to fully appreciate the power of this prayer. First, he's kneeling. And, And you know, That's an unusual posture in the day of Paul. In fact, frankly, it's an unusual posture in our own day. We never ask you to kneel to pray. And some of you are sitting there saying, and please do not ask us to kneel to pray. When I was growing up at Bethel Church in Conestoga, every communion, we would have to kneel to pray. They did not build that church so that you could kneel to pray. And and yet there we knelt. And that was a common posture, not here, not in Paul's day. And so when he says, I kneel, what he's saying is I'm entering into an intense form of prayer, not a normal form of prayer, but an intense form of prayer. And then he says this, I'm kneeling before the Father from whom every family has derived its name. Now, what does that mean? It means simply this. When you come to Christ, you are adopted into a new family, and that's the family of God. Now, there are two versions of the family of God. One is called the church militant. That's the church, the family of God here on this earth. One is called the church triumphant. That's the family of God that's already gone ahead of us, and they're in heaven. And you put them together, and we have the same name, and the name is Christian. Paul says, I am kneeling before the Father from whom every family has derived its name, and then he prays. Now, if prayer expresses desire, and it does— What Paul prays in verses 16 through 19 is Paul's soul's sincere desire for the Ephesian Christians. But I want to suggest something to you today. It is a whole lot more than that. It is not just a 2,000-year-old prayer of a pastor for a church then. It is a powerful revelation of what God's will is for the church today and for every one of us today. Now, last night, people were leaving and saying, you know, I've I've used that prayer for years to pray over my family, my church. Great. This is a wonderful prayer to use to pray over your family, your church, to pray for yourself. But I want us to look at it in a little different way today, and I want us to look at this prayer from the perspective that this prayer... Is a revelation of what God wills for every one of us in our lives. This is who He wants us to be. Because this is not just Paul praying a group of words, this is the inspired, inerrant, infallible, and authoritative Word of God. Paul is praying, but God is lighting on a fire with His authority. And he is teaching us what he desires for every one of us. So what are those things? What is his will for us? What is his desire for us? Now get this. We're going to come back to this at the end. What we're about to learn are guaranteed answers to prayer. If you pray for these things, God will answer them because they are inspired by him. They are his will for your life. He has already revealed that. He has said, Alyssa, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is what I want to do for you, Chris. This is what I want to do for you. Uh, guaranteed. This is what I want to do, Ken and Nestor. This is what I want to do, Robin Shelley. This is what I want to do. You pray, and I'm going to answer because this is my will for you in Christ Jesus. What is His will for us in Christ Jesus? First of all, that we would be filled with strength. That we would be filled with strength. Verses sixteen and seventeen. Now, to understand that, you need to understand another piece of this, and that is to live in this world. Christians need inner strength. To live in this world, we need inner strength. Why? We need strength to stand firm in our faith in Christ. We need strength to remain faithful to God's Word. We need strength to live and work in this world for this reason. We need this strength because the convictions and values that we hold as followers of Jesus are often at odds with the convictions and the values of this world. The way we view this world is different than the way the world views itself. And the bottom line is, if we're going to find ourselves standing firm in Christ, if we're going to be able to stand on the ground of God's Word, and and you know this, don't you? You see what's coming down the pike. You understand that the world is embracing things that are the opposite of what the Word of God teaches— If we're going to be faithful to God's Word, faithful to Christ, what do we need? We need to have the strength of God, and we need it to fill us to overflowing so that we can stand firm in Christ. Our culture is very much the same as the Ephesian culture. When we started this study last month in June... I told you that the city of Ephesus was a city of unbridled materialism and rampant immorality. Money, sex, and power dominated the culture. That is not different than today. Our culture is unbridled materialism, rampant immorality. Money, sex, and power dominate our culture. So as a result of that, as we walk through this world as Christians, we feel at times like we're strangers, that we don't belong. Because the reality is we don't belong. And, and, and as a result of that, the world can sometimes hate Christians because of what we stand for. Now, Jesus knew that, understood that, and actually prayed about that in John chapter 17. Listen in on a portion of Jesus's prayer in which he is interceding for his followers then and now. He prays this, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. So for us, Jesus is praying for protection. And for us, Paul is praying for strength. Now, how do we receive that strength so that we can stand firm in Christ? This is what Paul says. First of all, strength is one of God's unsearchable riches. Strength is one of the blessings that God gives us, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the way we receive strength is to ask God for strength. We need to run to him, and we need to ask him for strength. One of my favorite verses regarding strength is Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they are safe. If you want strength to stand firm in this culture, you need to run to God. You need to ask him for that strength out of his unsearchable riches— Because of the blessings through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he will give you strength. How does he give you that strength, Dottie? He gives you that strength because inside of you, Dottie, inside of you, Ron, inside of you, Mary, the Holy Spirit of God resides. The Holy Spirit generates through his power strength. Notice what the Word of God says in verses 16 and 17, in your inner being and in your heart. Now, inner being and heart are interchangeable in this passage. They refer to the center of our personality, our emotions, our will, our intellect. And the reality is the strength that we need is not the physical strength that you get at the gym. That's not a bad thing, but that's not the strength he's talking about. He's talking about the interior strength, the spiritual strength that the Holy Spirit gives you to stand firm in Christ and to stand firm on the Word of God. Now, As our inner strength increases, Paul says that an interesting thing happens. As we grow stronger and stronger, follow this. As we grow stronger and stronger in the Lord, Jesus Christ feels more and more at home in us. That's the truth. You think about this. That's what he says. Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. When you accept Jesus, Christ dwells in your heart. But the word that Paul uses here for dwell is a different word. It's the word for settling down and making himself at home. Okay? So there's a big difference between just residing somewhere and actually making it your home. And and what what Paul is saying is, here's what you're going to find, Christian. As you grow in your strength in Jesus... He is going to make himself at home and settle down in increasing areas of your life so that more and more and more of you is completely devoted to him. Your heart will become his home. There was a little booklet published years ago called My Heart, Christ's Home. And that little booklet is fascinating because it talks about truth, the reality that some of us in our hearts, maybe all of us, have a couple of closets that we keep locked. And Jesus just doesn't go there because we don't invite him or allow him to go there. There are some rooms that, well, you know what? We don't open the door to him. You understand that, don't you? When you have company over, you don't just say, oh, just walk through the house and walk into whatever room you want to. And oh, don't miss the basement and the closets down there too. You don't do that because there are some places you don't want people to see. And the sad reality is that that's true of us spiritually sometimes. And the reality is that as we grow in our strength, filled more and more with the strength of God through Jesus Christ, Christ will occupy more and more of those areas of our hearts, our home, that need his full attention and full surrender. I want all of me to be all of him, but I recognize that it's going to be a lifetime journey until all of me becomes all of him. It is, however, his will that you and I would be filled with his strength so that he would increasingly feel at home in our lives. I want to ask you a question today. Is Christ at home in your heart? Is Christ at home in your heart? Let me just go a little further and meddle a little bit. Are there some locked closets? You know, sometimes we have a closet called bitterness, and like, Crazy as it sounds, we keep it locked because somehow we like the idea that we can nurse the bitterness and the unforgiveness and once in a while switch into gear so for half a day or so we get ourselves all worked up because of what this person did 30 years ago and we still haven't forgiven it and that closet remains locked in our hearts. And Jesus is saying, would you just ask me to fill you with my strength because as I fill you with my strength, I will feel more and more at home in your life, and I will get into that closet. And you know what I'll do? <laughs> I will clean it out. You got junk, and I'm going to take that junk out, and I'm going to clean it out and reorganize it and give you freedom. Filled with his strength. Second, it is God's will that you would be filled with his love. Filled with his love. Look at verses 17 through 19. The prayer request that... That he offers here as a prayer request for every one of us and for the church and that is that we will live a lifestyle of love a lifestyle of love will be the unseen cause of our stability in life I'm convinced that one of the reasons the culture in which we live is unstable today one of the reasons that we see the foundations of our culture eroding is because we have adopted a lifestyle of hatred a lifestyle of anger a lifestyle of living on the edge if he cuts me off on 30, woe are you. Woe are you. I will cancel you on Facebook if you say the wrong thing about whatever. And that's the culture we live in. And you know, I, I don't, it, it's not like a comfortable culture to me, is it to you? Do you like living in constant foment? You know, like everybody being angry with everybody else, and you can't have civil conversation, and you're not allowed to disagree without being disagreeable because, after all, if you're going to disagree, you need to be made nasty and angry. I mean, really, is that what we want? No. And that's not how God has taught us to live. He has taught us to live a lifestyle of love, not to roll over and play dead. Not to cave in and give in to everything the culture throws against us, but not to behave like mean ogres because we don't get our way, but rather loving witnesses to the power of the incomparable Jesus Christ. Because here's something I learned years ago I'm not gonna change the culture, but I know who can. I'm not gonna change the culture, but I know who can. I'm not going to change the culture. I know who can. What's his name? And only Jesus. And the only way Jesus changes the culture is that I live out Christ in this culture. There's something dynamic, something magnetic, something very beautiful, something very powerful about a life lived in Christ that causes even the angriest and and meanest person to suddenly take a step back and say, whoa, okay, wait, what? What's different about you? And suddenly the walls come down, the defenses come down, and, and God begins to work. We need a lifestyle of love is what Paul says in this prayer. And he wants us to pray for that because this is God's will for us. And, and so here are the requests. He, he wants us to be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded are dual metaphors here, one from the farming world and one from the construction world. Rooted means to put down deep roots into the soil where you draw up love. The other means grounded. Build your foundation and make sure that is a deep foundation so it can support a high structure. John Stott, British author and pastor, writes, Love is the soil in which our lives should be rooted and the foundation on which our lives should be built. And what kind of love is that? It's the great commandment love. Mark chapter 12, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He wants us to have a deep love. And secondly, he wants us to understand love. And I'll just tell you right now, until the day I die, I will not fully understand love. I will never fully understand it. It is like inexhaustible. And that's why he says I pray that you can grasp the many dimensions of God's inexhaustible love. And so he, he names them, how wide and how long and how high and how deep it is to grasp the immensity of God's love. How do you do that? How do you even begin to tackle that incredible calling of God to grasp and understand his love. Well, there are two ways that you do it according to Paul, and one is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you and I cannot understand God's love except that God, through his Spirit, pours out his love into our lives. How does that happen? You ask him. Just ask him, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you help me understand your love? And, and I did this recently. Some of you know this. I, well, my pastoral team knows this, that I was really wrestling with a situation and some individuals. And so I actually, um, well, let's just be very transparent. Jenny said, Michael Sigmund. When she says Michael Sigmund, you listen, because that's my full name. When she says Michael Wade Sigmund, you really listen. But I, I was at the Michael Sigmund point. She said, You need to go and get your heart straightened out right now because there is bitterness that is building up in you. And she didn't send me to my room, (laughs) but I went because that's the chair where I sit and pray and read every day. And I cried out to God and I said, You know, I don't have the right attitude toward these individuals. I want to love them the way you love them. Would you take away the bitterness and would you replace it and help me grasp your love for them? And oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It was like heaven opened its floodgates and the roof on Fleetline Street came off and his love poured into me. And my attitude changed. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling, I'm telling you, listen to me. He's waiting for you to ask him for it. If you ask him, he'll do it. He'll do it. What is this love? It, it's wide enough to encompass everyone, everywhere. There is not one person he doesn't love. It's, it's, it's long enough to last for eternity. It's high enough to take us to heaven, and it's deep enough to change the most incorrigible sinner. That's the love of God in Jesus Christ. And what Paul says here is that, not to discourage you, but you can, for a lifetime, try to understand the love, and it will still surpass your knowledge, because it is so incredible It will overwhelm you. Now, here's the question. How do you love and how do you learn to love? Here's the answer. Just start loving. Just start loving. You don't need to go and buy a book about God's love and loving others. Just start loving. How do you love God? Spend time with him. Listen, how how, how does Jenny know I love her? Spend time with her. If I didn't spend time with my wife, she would have reason to call into question whether I love her. Well, what about God? You want to love God? You know what he's done for you? He's given you his word. Spend time in his word. Listen to him. He's given you a gift called prayer. Spend time in prayer. Talk to him. What about other people? Start loving them. Dive in the deep end. Go to the high dive. Jump into the deep end and start loving people. I'm an introvert. Well, no, I'm not saying that about myself. But some people say, I'm an introvert. Listen, then do the introverted kind of loving. Love as much as you can in small groups, okay? But dive in and start loving. This week at Vacation Bible School, Steve Church. Steve, are you here in this service? I know he's planning to be at one of the services. Where are you? Wait, There you are, Steve. Steve Church came to Christ last year, was baptized here this year. Just a phenomenal experience. Hey, Bryce, good to see you. Just a phenomenal, yeah, just a phenomenal. There's the little Steve over there. So just a phenomenal experience in Christ. Volunteers for Vacation Bible School has no idea what he's getting himself into with 300 plus kids. Ends up as a crew helper leader. And, and then the first night of Vacation Bible School, on Monday night after Vacation Bible School's over, Steve posts this on Facebook. It's part of a larger post, but in the middle of this, as he's talking about not being sure, being nervous, what's going to happen tonight. This is what he writes. Halfway through the night, two kids ask if I would be their friend. I said, yes, of course. One asks, even when we're not together, yes, I said, we're always friends. And then the others, other kid turned to me and he said that he loved me. And then Steve wrote this See, tonight's message wasn't just for the kids. How do you learn to love? Dive in the deep end and start loving others. And they will return love to you. And you will soon learn that the lessons of love are not just coming from you to others, but others to you as well. That leads us to one final prayer request. If it is God's will that we be filled with strength and God's will that we be filled with love, God also wills, now get this, hold on to this, that we be filled with God. Look, if you would, at verse 19. The final prayer request, that we would be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. What does that mean? When you accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord in the throne room of heaven, God, because of Jesus Christ, forgave you of your sin. And he decided that he would start looking at you through the righteousness of Christ. We call that justification. He justified you by Christ. He then sent his Holy Spirit to live in your life and to transform you from the inside out. As the Holy Spirit changed you and transformed you from the inside out, he then did something called sanctification. He set you apart. He gave you power that you did not have before you came to Christ. And he wants you to use that power to live daily to become more and more like Jesus. We have been saved to become Christ-like. And until the day that we die and go to be with Jesus Christ in heaven, we are on a journey and we have a calling from God to increasingly want to become like Jesus, sound like Jesus, live like Jesus on the face of this earth, and we have the power to be able to do that. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you have all of God right now if you're a Christian? You bet you do. Does he have all of you? He doesn't have all of me yet. And until the day I die, there will be more and more of Mike Sigmund that needs to be surrendered to him. But you know what I'm intent on doing? I'm intent on becoming more and more like him. Jesus, you search my heart. Jesus, you find the places within me that are not pleasing to you. Jesus, where are the things in my life that aren't surrendered? And, and sometimes Jesus uses Jenny, Michael Sigmund, to tell me what those places are. Other times he just convicts me through the power of the Holy Spirit directly. Listen, friends. You want to become more and more like him. And if you pray and ask him, he will enable you to become just like him more and more in your life. Now, here it is, strength, love, the fullness of God. These are big prayer requests. They're like like monumental, life-changing prayer requests. But here's the promise that God accompanies those prayer requests with. It's a promise in 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. These are guaranteed prayer requests. You ask him to fill you with strength, He will. You ask him to fill you with love, he will. You ask him to help you become more and more like Jesus, he will. And that is why Paul, as he winds this prayer down, gets so excited. Because he knows God. He knows God is going to hear, he knows God is going to answer, and listen, now get this, he knows that God is actually going to do more than you could even ask or imagine, which is why he then writes these words, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen, In other words, God, you're powerful. God, I know when I ask you these things, I can sit back and I can watch you do far more than I could ever hope or imagine would be possible. Oh my goodness, God, you love doing these things. You love delighting in giving us strength, giving us love, and giving us the fullness of your spirit and your life in us. So God, here I am. That's what I want. I want your strength. I want your love. And I want to be more like you, Jesus. Have you ever had that kind of prayer? I'm not talking about the short list of help me tomorrow and help me with this, and I'm going here and I'm going there. Have you ever prayed the big prayers? I want to be strong. I want to know and live your love. I want to be like you, Jesus. I challenge you today. Pray that prayer sincerely and personally in your life. And he will do more than you can ask or imagine. And it will blow your mind. Now, to Him, it's in all caps. You know what that means. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, as I reflect on this prayer, I think so often in my prayer life, I settle for routine prayer requests, instead of asking for the grand plans that you have from before the creation of the world designed for me and for my brothers and sisters here. You want us to experience your strength in all of its fullness. You want us to be filled with love so that we're free of bitterness, free of unforgiveness, free of hatred, free of dislike. You want us to be full of you. You want us to become increasingly like you, Jesus. Lord, my prayer today is very simply that you would give every believer here and online the courage to pray these grand prayers, to cry out to you for your will to be done in their lives in the areas of strength and love and the fullness of your life in our lives. Father, I thank you and praise you that when we pray these prayer requests, When we seek you, we know that we are on the solid ground of Scripture, that this is your will for us, and that you will always do more than we can ask or imagine to the glory of Jesus Christ. And it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand together and let's exalt Jesus Christ together.